What Paul is saying to us is that the power of the resurrection is a power to suffer joyfully. We would think that a power would mean the ability to avoid suffering, wouldn't we? told us of the change that came into his heart when Jesus met him on the Damascus road, how he then looked at all the things that were of great value in his life, and he compared them to Christ, and he has considered them all to be rubbish, to be trash, and he has discarded them for Jesus. He has chosen Jesus over every other thing that he has valued previously, and he has told us of how this is what is what happened in his heart. God invaded his life. God acted upon his life in a sovereign way. And upon doing that, a change came over Paul's heart, upon his desires, upon his goals, what he, what he wanted. And he now looks at Christ as his supreme, surpassing treasure. Now we come to verse 10. And verse 10, Paul is going to speak to us about some profound concepts about some profound truths that have to do with knowing Jesus in this way. Again, this is not a cognitive knowledge of Jesus or an intellectual or a mental knowledge of Jesus. This isn't knowing about Him. This isn't knowing what the Scriptures say about Him or knowing what the Scriptures teach about His character. This is knowing Him because we experience Him, because we have a relationship with Him. And so Paul is going to say three things to us in this passage that are going to take us the entire time to unpack what he says. So let's look together at verses 10 and 11. I'm going to begin reading from verse 7, and I'll read down through verse 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So beginning in verse 10, Paul begins by saying that I may know him. So just as a a reminder, when we see that word know in this passage, we remember that there's two words that mean know in the original language. One means a cognitive knowledge or intellectual knowledge to know about something, to know the facts. And another is to know by experiencing. We talked about a good way to think about this is, is knowing uh, Newton's law of inertia, that we know that the facts tell us that when a body is in motion, it will remain in motion until another force acts upon it. It's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to know it because you were in the front seat of a car that hit a telephone pole at 55 miles an hour. That's a whole different type of knowledge to know that's what happens. Or, or we also talked about knowing that honey is sweet because you read about 
honey being sweet, are also knowing that sweet, the honey is sweet because you put a big spoonful in your mouth. It's two kinds of knowledge. And so Paul is speaking here about knowing Jesus, not in the knowing facts about him, but knowing him because we have relationship with him, because he lives within us, because we experience him. And so we know Jesus. Paul says, that's how I know him. And that's what I desire. That's the deepest desire of my heart. I yearn for that kind of knowledge to know Jesus in that experiential sort of way. And so he says, I have counted all these things as loss. He went through this long list of of all these things that he treasured in his life, these things that he worked so hard for, these things that he started out life with such an advantage towards. All these achievements of his, he counts them all now as rubbish, as trash, as, as refuse, because he has compared them to the surpassing value of knowing Christ in that way. And so he begins in verse 10 by saying that, that I may know him. And again, that word there, know, is to know him by experience. And that word that tells us that that's the purpose statement. That's the, that's the reason for what follows. We could, we could think of it as a, maybe a therefore. In other words, when Paul says that, what he means is what came before this is the basis for what comes after this. Now, if you're reading in the King James and it's an italicized King James, you'll notice that that is italicized, meaning that it's supplied by the editors and the translators, meaning that it wasn't in Paul's original thing that he wrote. So what he originally writes, he he just uses the definite article and then the infinitive form of to know. So literally, Paul says the to know, the to know him, which doesn't make any sense in English. So our translators have rightly supplied the word that because that's Paul's meaning. That's his intention. What he's saying is, what I just said is the basis for what I'm about to say. And so what, what he just said was this, this section about counting all these things as loss. He considers them loss. He considers them rubbish for the purpose of what he wants, what his real desire, why he considers those things rubbish is he yearns, he desires earnestly to know Christ in this way, to know him to know the power of His resurrection, and to know the fellowship of His sufferings. Three direct objects for the verb there, know. So the direct object, as we said last time, is that's receiving the action of that verb, and the verb is to know Him, or the, the verb is to know. And the three words, the three things that receive the action of knowing are, first of all, Him, to know Him. Secondly, to know the power of His resurrection to experience the power of His resurrection, and thirdly, to know or to experience, to know by experiencing. And this part doesn't always show up as clearly in the English, but uh, nevertheless, in the original, Paul says the third thing to know is the fellowship or the sharing of His suffering. The word koinonia there, we talked about that quite a bit earlier on in the study through Philippians. The sharing, the fellowship, the partnership, the knowing by experiencing of Jesus, the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship, the sharing of His suffering. So three things here that will begin to break down. First of all, the power of His resurrection. To know Him in such a way, to experience Him, to relate with Him in such a way that I experience, that I know the power of His resurrection. So in our notes here, I've just put together some scriptures that Paul gives us in which he's speaking to us about a power a power that is put within us, a power that we have by way of knowing Christ Jesus as Savior. And these are going to help us to think through what Paul is saying 
by knowing the power of his resurrection. So take a look with me in our notes, beginning from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, down through chapter 2, verse 6. In this section here, what Paul is saying to us is this power of the resurrection. This is the power that not only has raised Christ from the dead, but it is also the same power that has raised us from the dead. Look at what he says from verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. So it's something God is giving to us, something here, and the something that He's giving is the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom. We can understand wisdom, and we can understand revelation, the, the revealing, the showing of, of truth, that He gives this Spirit, and the Spirit is known as the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of revelation, and the knowledge of Him. Now, you might already guess there that that word knowledge is the same word that Paul's using over in Philippians. It doesn't mean to know cognitively or to know intellectually. It means to know because we experience. So God gives to us the Spirit, and this Spirit is the Spirit that brings wisdom, speaking here of the Holy Spirit, that brings revelation or revealing of God, an understanding of God, and the experiencing, the knowing of God. By, it says verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. There's the revealing so that we understand, we see the things of God that, as Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, that are hidden to natural man. Carnal man does not understand these things. But the eyes of our heart have been opened by the receiving of the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation that you may know. Now that's the other word for know, not to know experientially, but to know intellectually, that you may know, that you may understand that you may have a knowledge, an understanding, a head knowledge of three things. First of all, the hope, which He's called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of His, and here we go, power of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might. So this is the power that we receive that comes by way of spirit. It is a spirit of power. So the receiving of the Holy Spirit is a receiving of power. Now, don't confuse what I'm saying there. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a power or a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. But the Holy Spirit is also a power in the same way that Jesus, who is a person, is also truth. And Jesus is also peace. The Scripture tells us that Jesus doesn't just speak truth. Jesus is truth. The Scriptures tell us that Jesus doesn't just bring peace. Jesus is peace. Ephesians 2.12. Okay? So in the same sense, the Holy Spirit, He's not a power, He's a person, but He is also power, and He brings this power to us. How does He bring this? How does He give this to us? By the power of God the Father when He raised Christ from the dead. Verse 20, that He worked in Christ, this same power that He worked in Christ when He raised Jesus from the dead. So the same power, the same spirit, the same spirit of power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that is given to us. And that power allows us to see with opened eyes. It's the spirit of revelation. It's the, the, the power of revelation. It's the spirit of wisdom. It is the spirit of knowledge, of knowing and experiencing him. It's the same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. But then Paul goes on to say that that same resurrection power is what raised us from the dead. Verse 1, and you, 
We're also dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. With, with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated with him. So the same resurrection power that raises Jesus from the dead is the power that brings life to us on, in the resurrection that is to come will resurrect us physically, but in the resurrection of the spiritual resurrection of salvation, it has raised us from a deadness to God to a newness in life. Okay? So that's what we need to see there is that Paul's saying that this power, the power of the resurrection, that's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that raised you from the dead. And it also has indwelt in you a power to uh, have wisdom, to have revelation, and to have the knowledge of Him by way of your eyes being opened to Christ. Next, we look at Ephesians chapter thir- uh, 3, and we see that this resurrection power is not optional for the Christian, but it is necessary for us to live a life that in any way glorifies God. Look at verse uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church. So we're unable to glorify God in any way outside of the working of of this power of resurrection within us. The the power of Jesus' resurrection and the power of our resurrection, sometimes called Holy Spirit. So then the next one that we look at is is, uh, these verses teach us, or this verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, teaches us that Paul sees his life as utterly and completely dependent upon this indwelling power within him. He says this, For this I toil, struggling with all this energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul's saying here that I toil, I struggle. Remember uh, chapter 2, verse 12, where he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul says, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm putting all of my effort into this. I'm working to be godly. I'm working to be Christ-like. But the working that I'm doing, all of it, is by way of the power of the Spirit that is in me. So that power, that presence is absolutely non-negotiable. It's necessary. Then next we see that this resurrection power is necessary also for discipleship and it's necessary for the remain, for, uh, for us remaining joyful while we endure struggle or suffering and trials in this life. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. There it is, the the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's wisdom there. There's understanding. Remember, this is the, the, the spirit of revelation. So as, and here's the life of the disciple, so as to walk, walk is a metaphor for live, to live in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in, and there it is again, the knowledge of God, the the experiential knowledge of God. That's the life of the disciple there, right? To have this life, to live in a life that's worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him. We know that, that in one sense we are fully and completely pleasing to God because Christ is pleasing to God and we are in Christ. But then in another sense, the the disciple is to work out their own salvation, to endeavor to live a life pleasing to Him, knowing that His pleasure in us is not dependent upon our spiritual performance, but our spiritual performance is an outworking or it is a result of the gratitude 
of the acceptance that he, for the acceptance that he's given to us. So that's the life of the disciple. Paul says that that life is dependent fully and completely upon the power of the resurrection. Being strengthened with all power, he says, according to his glorious might. Now, here comes the suffering part. For all endurance and patience with joy. So Paul doesn't mention suffering there, but he implies it when he says that this power is necessary not only for the life of the disciple, but it's necessary for patience and enduring. So when I hear patience and enduring, to me, I'm going to connect that together with suffering and trials, because what else would we be enduring? What else would we, would be, would we be patient about if it weren't for trials or tribulations or difficulties or suffering or struggles? Okay. So the power to live the life of the disciple and the power to suffer joyfully is a result of the indwelling, the giving, the experiencing, the knowing of the power of the, revel- the resurrection. So back to the uh, Philippians 3 verse 10 again. Paul says that I may know Him and know the power of His resurrection and I may know the fellowship of His suffering. So what's inter- interesting here is how Paul puts this to us. He says that I may know Him, I may know the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings. It's interesting that he puts power and suffering together here. Because what we just saw in these other passages is what Paul is saying to us is that the power of the resurrection is a power to suffer joyfully. We would think that a power would mean the ability to avoid suffering, wouldn't we? If God were to say to us that He's going to give us this power, our reaction might be, oh good, now I won't have to suffer. God's going to give me power to avoid suffering. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying the power is the power not only to know Him, to understand Him, to have the wisdom of the Spirit, to live the life of the disciple, but also the power to suffer well. The power to suffer while looking and trusting upon Christ. The power to suffer while loving Jesus and through His power, loving those who bring suffering to us. That is going to be the key to this whole passage that Paul's saying. The power of the resurrection is the power, among other things, but especially in this passage, it is the power to suffer well and to suffer joyfully. So let's now look at that that I may know the fellowship of His suffering, that I may know the sharing of His suffering. This power of the resurrection empowers us to suffer well, to suffer joyfully, to participate in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings. So let's first look at a few passages here in which I've selected that Paul's also talking about suffering that's going to help us, it's going to inform what Paul's saying here about the fellowship of suffering with Jesus and sharing with his sufferings. First of all, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul's saying here that the life of the disciple is a life of, of dying to self. Paul's old self is dead. A new Paul has been raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. The old Paul was buried with Christ in his, in his baptism. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer Paul who lives. For Paul has been buried with Christ in his baptism. But it is Christ who now lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life of the disciple is the life of dying to self. 
What does it mean to die to self? Dying to self can mean a lot of things, more than we have time to talk about in this context this morning, especially with our time constraint. But dying to self, we can think of it as placing the entirety of your life at the disposal of God. Saying to God, all of me, all of my life, everything about me is at your disposal. So dying to self doesn't necessarily mean giving up everything you like about your life or everything that you think you like about your life. It could mean those things. It could mean some of them. It could mean all of them, not necessarily any of them. Dying to self means dying to me being in the driver's seat of my life. Dying to me being in control. Dying to me being in charge. Dying to self means I say to God, all of me is at your disposal. You do with my life as you like. I trust you. And whatever you have for me is for my best. And so all of my life is at your disposal. Paul says the old me has died. And the new me is now completely at his disposal. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die every day. That doesn't mean that Paul physically dies every day as though he's some sort of cat with 900 lives, but it means that he spiritually dies for him. Now, one day it will mean that he dies physically for him. And it might mean that for us. But it means that he dies every day to himself. Every day he looks to Christ and says, that is my treasure. You have full control. I yield to you all of the control of my life. Like uh, Jesus says to us in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. The cross again is not, it it may be this today, but the cross was not this piece of jewelry that we wear around our neck, as, as nice as that is and shows our faith, but the cross is an instrument of execution. That's what Paul's readers heard when, when, or that's what uh, Luke's readers heard. When Jesus says you take up your cross, they heard instrument of torture and suffering that leads to death. And so you take up that cross, you deny yourself, and you do this daily and you follow me. So again, this dying to self. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word. Thank you.